Hey guys, and welcome to the Healthy Huddle. We're going to talk all things health-related based on our real-life trial and errors. I'm Peyton, a retired college athlete with a love for holistic nutrition. And I'm Rachel, a creative writer, forever student, and mental health advocate. We may not have all the answers, but we're damn sure going to try. And welcome to another episode of The Healthy Huddle. Hello. And this episode, episode eight, it's going to be a little bit longer and we're going to dive into some deep things. It's going to be a serious talk. Yeah. So we just kind of wanted to preface this with a trigger warning of sorts. If you have ever struggled with restrictive eating, negative feelings towards food, or really disordered eating patterns and eating disorder, if you've ever been diagnosed with an eating disorder, um, we just want to put a trigger warning out there because we will be talking about our own personal struggles with it and it may get dark a little bit may get deep it may get a little bit emotional tear Mm -hmm. at the heartstrings so we just wanted to preface this episode by saying that we are also going to take it in a very positive direction we're going to talk about the things that we have learned and what works for us we are not professionals we are not dietitians we are not telling anybody to eat a certain way or not to eat a certain way we are just simply talking about our experiences and sharing those in case it does help somebody else. Yeah, and like we said in the first episode, both me and Rachel have experienced some sort of degree of disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And we do want to say as well that there is a difference between clinically diagnosed eating disorders and disordered eating patterns. They are not necessarily directly dependent on one another. They can be, but they're not completely dependent of one another. Disordered eating is usually at a lesser frequency and a lesser severity than a clinically diagnosed eating disorder. And we have both had our personal journeys with disordered eating Mm -hmm. and just negative feelings towards food and very restrictive mindsets. And we started at completely different ages and had completely different pathways with it. So that's kind of our backgrounds and the place that we're coming from. These are the experiences that we've had and that we are pulling from. So Rachel? Yes. So basically what we're going to do this episode is tell you about our personal experiences and basically just build off of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about myself first. I first started experiencing... (laughs) Uh, issues with food when I was in middle school. I come from a family that has a pretty like heavy background of obesity and diabetes because of that. And I remember as a kid being afraid of that being me, thinking that I had to be the opposite. And then I would visit, and I know this was not the intention now because I've had these conversations, but when I would visit my dad and my stepmother, I felt like it was really important that I was a certain size because for whatever reason, the compliment was never you're pretty the compliment was you look skinny Mm. uh already took a little pause because i (laughs) just got a little bit of an emotional (laughs) moment but this is what this episode is gonna be so we're just telling you guys letting you know just take it as it's this is real and raw Mm -hmm. and it was really hard this was a hard thing that we both dealt with yeah so because the compliment was that 
you look skinny. When I was living with my mom before I moved in with my dad, I would start restricting before I saw my dad when I was in middle school. And my mom always knew that like the time was getting close to see him because I would start to lose a little bit of weight and she just noticed that was something that I did. Then I moved in with my dad and I just really had this long battle for a very long time because my mother's side of the family, they didn't have a lot of money, so their gift was food. Mm -hmm. And still, holidays, there's more food than any family could eat for like a month. Mm -hmm. Like, they just shower each other in food. Well, and that's a lot of families, I feel like. And yeah. especially different cultures and different backgrounds like that saying where it's like the way to someone's heart is through their stomach mm -hmm. I'm sure just like your family there's so many other families and people out there that you know really show their affection through food oh 100% and like I come from a country family and so there's lots of butter and sour cream and just salt all of these rich decadent foods and there's not a ton of healthy but that was just still is the way that they show love and then I was with my dad and it like we'd be out to dinner and I'd have to hold my fist over my meat and that was all that I was allowed to eat like uh, if I had a steak or like a piece of chicken like that was all I was allowed to eat because that's how big my stomach was. So I had these... You were getting portion size checked. <laughs> I was. Oh my god! But I didn't understand that because I was a kid and I have two older brothers. One of them was a football player. So he was eating six tacos. So I wanted to eat six tacos. He ordered a Big Mac. I wanted to order a Big Mac. But then I was told, you're a little girl. Like you shouldn't be eating those things. And I didn't understand. Nothing was ever really explained to me. So I had these two different points of view of you should be eating all of this food and then you should not be eating all of this food. And whenever I was with my dad, I'd go visit my mom's family and they would all tell me I was too skinny. So it was like very yeah. conflicting and for such a young age. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was super hard. It was. And then when I got into high school, I was like, okay, well, I need to take control over this. So when I was in 10th or 11th grade, I think, I was like, I need to be a certain size. Mind you, I should... I feel like I should say I'm about 5'6", and in high school, I was a size 2. I was about 115 pounds. I was very, very small, but I didn't see myself that way at all. And so I sometimes, like, would sneak food, and I would overindulge. And then I had periods of time where I would drastically restrict. I started flushing food down the toilet so that my parents wouldn't know I wasn't eating. And whenever I'd go to school, because I ate a lot at school... I literally would just eat something so that people would see me eating and wouldn't guess anything. And then I would, after a couple of weeks of that, I would revert to binge eating and then purge through exercise. And it was just this horrible cycle that was so unhealthy. I'm not exactly sure when a switch was flipped. It did not happen overnight. In college, I started dealing with it through my therapy. And I think that's really what has helped. I don't think I could say, oh, this happened. And then I was like, oh, food freedom. But I mean, it's still definitely a struggle. Still today, I'm like, okay, sometimes I struggle with knowing I ate pizza last night. So for tonight, I have to have veggies. And that's not how I feel all of the time. But sometimes I still really struggle with that mindset. But now I feel I the way that I eat now is I'm like, I guess, technically a pescatarian. Um, so we try to eat plant based and then we have fish at least once a week. But um, we don't like boxes. 
So if you want something. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I always, when people ask me, I don't really, like yeah. sometimes I choose vegan-based products. Sometimes I want the cheese. Yeah. So, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. We try. It's just. Do it's, your best. Yeah. And the rest will fall into place. Currently, I just, we're not eating red meat and chicken, I think is the best way to put it. And is that more of like a stomach thing? Like does it not sit well with your stomach? Um, oh, Girl, I miss them, honestly. If V was more willing to eat them, um, we tried Earlier this year, we had decided to go vegetarian, and that was for our stomachs. I have had so many issues with my stomach, and I mean, you can, I feel like, attest to the fact that I would wake up, and I just was feeling so sick, and I was always bloated and gassy, and I was like, something is just not right with my stomach. When you were just vegetarian? Yes. Okay. Uh, Well, and before. That Mm -hmm. was part of why we decided to go, actually, vegetarian, Mm -hmm. and then we started making vegan changes, because once we were vegetarian, I was really struggling with the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have a problem with dairy products, with lactose. As literally probably 98% of the population does. Yes. <laughs> and I think one of the common misconceptions about vegetarianism is that just because someone doesn't eat meat or they don't eat a certain type of meat means that they lose a bunch of weight. Mm. There's still all kinds of... Or pro- don't get their protein. Yeah. Their protein. <laughs> oh my goodness. There are still all kinds of processed shit that you can eat as a vegetarian. Yeah. Um, which is a hole that we started to fall into a little bit. And I'm currently trying to get us out of it. Honestly, like V has felt so much better cutting certain things out. and But it's been a trial and error. Some things don't bother his stomach that tear mine up. Some things really bother mine that don't bother him at all. Now my eating is not about being a certain size. It's about what makes me feel good. And if there's something that I really want in that moment, I allow myself to have it. Yeah. And when you say like cutting things out of your diet, it's not in a restrictive mindset. No. You're doing it because it makes you feel better. It benefits your digestive system Mm -hmm. and the way you feel and your energy levels. You have less fatigue. So I think that's such the difference between someone who has a good relationship with food or is trying to get Mm -hmm. to a good relationship with food and someone who has disorder eating because maybe you're cutting things out but you're doing it from a totally different mindset oh absolutely and I think one of the things that has actually really helped my relationship with food and you might even attest to this because we both cook all of the time Mm -hmm. actually being in the kitchen and cooking my food has really changed how I feel about what I'm preparing and what I actually put into my body because now I'm like ooh, this is super colorful or I'm like oh last night's dinner was a little bit too brown because I love the carbs Mm -hmm. but I don't feel bad if that happens because that's just called life and it's a balance and I spent so much time looking at myself nitpicking calling myself ugly calling myself fat saying just all of these horrible things to myself that really nobody else was saying but also comparing myself to other people and thinking "Ugh, I just could never restrict myself to that level to look like that and I'm specifically thinking about like people who compete um, in terms of like physique and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I had really, really considered that at one point. And then I was like, oh, but I know the hanger is going to be so real. So real. And I knew that I would really struggle coming out of it with eating more food and also the weight gain. 
that you have. Yeah. And I think that's also something to note because I was falling, I found myself falling into that trap as well of Mm -hmm. comparing yourself. Yes. But then being like, dang, well, if they're eating this way, why can't I just eat this way? Why can't I look like that? There must be something internally wrong with me. My genetics may suck Mm -hmm. because I can't get to that with what they're doing. Again, it's comparing your chapter one to Mm -hmm. someone's chapter 100. Like you don't know the backstory that led up to that. Yeah. I, I've come through just so many different phases I have gone through a period of time where I just was like working my ass off in the gym or really I was working out outside and then I was like okay cool now I can have a double cheeseburger a day and I was eating a freaking double cheeseburger and fries a day because you earned it (laughs) yeah I was like quotation marks (laughs) I was like oh look at me I'm still killing it but I was in such a horrible place emotionally and mentally at the time and then I've also been like oh I'm just gonna have my rice my protein and then my veggies and every like all the proportions were really the same size but I can even go back and look at my old Instagram posts and be like oh I thought I was creative but really I'm just eating like a bro (laughs) now it's just so much more about just letting myself enjoy the food that I want to enjoy eating what sounds good eating what I know fuels me well allow it I don't even like calling them indulgences because it's like who made up that term you want the oreo eat the fucking oreo like you want a piece of cake eat a fucking piece of cake just don't eat it every single night like you're gonna feel like shit that's just the way that it goes yeah you know like just like anything else in life it is a roller coaster and it is a it is a consistent journey Mm -hmm. it's not a start stop start stop start stop like how do you live life like that you have to continuously go with the changes and go with how your body's feeling today are we feeling a little down okay whatever we're gonna indulge in some cake yeah are we feeling high and mighty and we're gonna kill it in the workout and we're gonna have a green juice after Mm -hmm. fuck yeah that's what we're gonna do then too every day is gonna look different like if every day was the same it'd be boring as fuck Well, and I think the key too is it's not about finding a fad diet to lose weight or whatever. It's about finding a lifestyle that you can literally maintain for life. That's Mm -hmm. why it's called a lifestyle. Yeah. And the sustainability part Mm -hmm. is the key. (laughs) Like, I want you to write that down, bold it, (laughs) type it out. I don't care what you have to do. Like, for it to be a sustainable lifestyle, that that is what you should be after. That is the true goal. Well, and also your body will freaking tell you what it needs. The reason that we started incorporating fish back into our eating was because I literally was like, I feel my brain is not getting something. Yeah, you're in brain fog. Yes. I was like, there just is something that I'm missing. So we started adding fish back in, you know, for like the healthy fats and stuff. And it's so much better. I'm Mm -hmm. like, this, this feels great. Yeah. And that's like a true testament to trial and error. Yeah. You know? But enough about me. (laughs) Peyton, it's your turn. Okay. So my story looks a little bit different. It happened at a way older age. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really struggle, like I said in the first episode, I didn't really struggle with eating or my body or body dysmorphia at a younger age because I was always kind of a naturally like thinner kid. When I hit my junior and senior year of high school, I did start to gain a lot of muscle just preparing myself for college soccer. Um, So I did start to notice those thoughts kind of creeping in a little bit. But again, it wasn't something that was consuming me. I was mm-hmm. still eating whatever the hell I wanted. I was crushing that party pack at Taco Bell. Yeah. I was doing what I wanted and how I felt. It was a good fluctuation. And then college, I started kind of realizing, like, I was fit, like I said, but my fit looked a little different. Mm-hmm. Like, I was never someone and will never be 
someone with a six pack with the skinny legs or the really toned arms. Um, oh, we're working on it, but <laughs> but that's just not how my body is predispositioned. And okay, like that's fine, but I found that it started to take a little bit more of a toll on me mentally than I thought it would, which is weird because as an athlete, you should, your performance should be the main thing you're worried about. Mm -hmm. What your body looks like, however that performance is going to be at its best, shouldn't matter, but it does. And I know, (laughs) I know student athletes struggle with that. I struggled with that. It's hard because you have to fuel yourself for performance because you are there to perform. People's livelihoods ride on this, your livelihood, your college career rides on this. But you're going to be intaking a lot more because you're burning a lot more. But sometimes people's metabolisms are faster. Sometimes they're a little bit slower. And so me intaking more, I may not look that skinny. But when you're a young female, you're in a new environment, you're in college, social media is a huge thing. You just want to be loved and adored by everyone. Like your body image is a huge component. Well, and we grew up at a time when very skinny is what was considered beautiful Mm -hmm. as well. And now I think it's getting more normalized, normal bodies and a lot more like thicker thighs and cellulite and tiger stripes and that's okay. But, and not only did I see it on social media, I was seeing it in real life. Mm -hmm. Like there were girls that I was constantly getting my weight and my BMI and my jersey size compared to. And that is very detrimental. I don't think I ever wanted to admit how detrimental it was to Mm -hmm. me. Because I'm very closed off and I don't like to admit when I'm struggling. And I don't think it really hit me hard. I think it was more of a buildup. Mm-hmm. I think it was progressing. My sophomore year of the summer, so going into my junior year of college, I was like, I need to lose weight because of the BMI. I was running every single day and doing abs. God, I that makes me cringe. But like doing ab circuits every single day and just trying to lose as much weight as possible. Like that's literally what I was focused on. Mm-hmm. I was running more than I was actually practicing soccer, which blows my mind because... I'm literally there to play soccer but I wanted to lose the weight and I wanted to lose my BMI and I was like well and that's the way that a lot of people think that you lose weight is just by running exactly I didn't have the research to back it up back then I just was going off of what I was seeing and what was being fed to me through social media and it was you have to be a cardio bunny and you Mm -hmm. have to do an ab circuit an ab blaster shut the fuck up But that was what I was just intaking because I didn't have anything else to go off of. That's what I thought I had to do. I mean, I guess technically it worked. I dropped a lot of body fat. I was able to perform better in my position. Yeah, because I was able to run so much. Mm -hmm. And all the time, like I was playing 90 minute plus games every single game. And I was still okay. Like I still wasn't dead or pushed to the brink of exhaustion. I was doing okay. So Yes, I guess it worked, Mm -hmm. if that's what you want to call it. I'll use that in quotation marks. It worked. But my mindset was so not there. Yeah. I wasn't doing it for performance purposes. Right. I mean, and was it maintainable? Hell no. I mean, I guess when I got back to college, like, it had to be maintainable because I was being forced to practice and run and do fitness and everything day in and day out. And that's fine because I'm an athlete and that's what I'm there for and I have no problem with that. But the more I look back at it, I'm like, holy crap. And I was working that summer too. I worked for my mom that summer. So I was pulling like, you know, 40 hour weeks and then going straight into running four miles and going straight into an ab blaster bullshit and like just not eating that much. 
not eating like super restrictive, but just not eating nearly as mu- as much as I should have been. And so that I think started breeding that restrictive mindset mm-hmm. because I wasn't there all the way. Mm-hmm. I still was like, okay, I was feeling good. You know, I had lost weight. My BMI was dropping. People were noticing, but I still was not where I wanted to be at by my senior year. I was able to perform really well and I had a great senior season, but my body image was not where I wanted it to be. And it's also really hard when your best friends on your team are like a size extra small or a size yeah. small and that's like not their fault obviously that's hard when that's all you're comparing yourself to mm-hmm. because you're like I'm supposed to be an athlete that's what an athlete is supposed to look like a size small why am I asking for a size large and then I graduated and that's when the fun begins <laughs> because as I've probably said in multiple episodes already I had a insanely huge identity crisis mm-hmm. I've always been an athlete I've always been the athletic one. I literally like won most athletic my senior year of high school. That's always been my identifier. So not having that to go back to, I was struggling. I was trying to grab onto something that wasn't there anymore. So the moment I realized, okay, this is not my identifier anymore. I need to find something that is. And that just happened to be overexerting myself in the gym and under eating. Mm -hmm. And those two, when they're combined, is literally a recipe for disaster. In the moment, it feels great. You're thriving. You're losing weight. You're getting more toned. You're gaining muscle where you never thought you'd gain it. People would come up to me in the gym and be like, damn, you're a beast. Like, don't you ever take a day off? And I'd be like, ugh, crushing it, like, as always. But I'm like, no, I'm actually, now that you asked, I almost fainted two seconds ago. So it, like, wasn't actually great. No. It was what I thought I was supposed to be doing because I then put myself and my self-worth in that identifier of being skinny. And not only being skinny, because I wanted to be skinny in an athletic way. I didn't want to be, like, model skinny. I wanted to be toned, but I did not want my legs to be touching. I wanted a thigh gap. For sure. Almost to an extent, I reached that, which blows my mind to this day. But that was what I was searching for. That was what I was pushing myself towards because I could control it. I could control how much I went to the gym. I could control how hard I was pushing myself in the gym. I could control what I was eating. What I couldn't control was the negative consequences that were about to hit me like a freaking brick wall that were going to stem from all of this. Because I was riding that high for a long time. And I would never, ever miss a workout. I would never eat rice or bread. I had the biggest fear of bread for almost a year. I didn't even want to touch it, which sounds dumb because like... If if you know Peyton, (laughs) the girl enjoys bread. Uh, Bread is a food group (laughs) and I will not be told otherwise. (laughs) But yeah, bread was a big thing for me. And if I'm being honest, I don't think I've ever like said this really, but I still struggle with rice. Like, have you ever seen me eat rice? You've just told me that you don't like rice. It's not because I don't like rice. It's because I was... You liar. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not because I don't like rice. It's because I was terrified of it because I thought it was too many carbs. Are you still afraid of it? I'm not afraid of it. I just... I would prefer to eat a different source of carbs. Like a sweet potato. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like a sweet potato. But I do think, honestly, I think there is still a little bit of fear. Because, like, when I go to Chipotle, I don't... I never get rice. I didn't know that. Yeah. I try, I'm I'm being I'm being better because I'll tell them a little bit of rice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I probably went a whole year without eating rice. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I you have to take the spoon away from me. I love rice. <laughs> well, yeah. See, that's the thing though with carbs, especially mm-hmm. they can get addicting. Like oh, yeah. 
you can eat a massive thing of pasta and not even realize it. You can eat a massive thing of rice yeah. or five pieces of bread and not even realize it. Oh, yeah. Y'all, if you like rice and you are not putting soy sauce and hot sauce on your rice, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Chef Rachel. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> that was scary to me because that, to me, was a loss of control. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm a very all-or-nothing person, as we've established. So I just wanted to cut it out altogether. Yeah. And I wanted to just say, nope, I'm not even going to look at it, touch it, breathe it, whatever. Because I don't even want to be tempted to lose that kind of control. Well, and I think even admitting now that you still struggle with your relationship with Bryce mm-hmm. demonstrates how much of a long journey this is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I'll go out to restaurants now and I'll get Bryce, but I would never have gotten that three years ago. Do you get it on your sushi? Yes and no. Yeah, yeah I know you like the cucumber roll. I do... Okay, that's like a personal preference though because I like the crunch, but I used to never eat sushi with the rice. I'd only get cucumber rolls back when I was struggling. But now you get it. But now I like it. Yeah. I'm way, I'm like miles away from where I was, but I do still struggle with it. And I I think it's dumb when people don't still talk about their struggles with it because like you were in such a deep, dark place. I know you still have to have some of those tendencies. Oh, it still pops up and it might our whole lives. Yeah. These different issues. And I do believe it is a conscious effort. Mm -hmm. You have to make an effort to want to love your body Mm -hmm. more than you want to love the way it looks. And back then, I didn't care about loving my body. I didn't care about feeding her and fueling her properly. I cared about the way she looked. I cared about the fact that I was down like four sizes in jeans Mm -hmm. and shorts. I cared that people were telling me I was skinny. I cared that people were asking me like, oh my god, what do you eat in a day? Like, what are your workouts like? You must be crushing it in the gym. Mm -hmm. That's what I cared about. And they're all very surface things. I will sit here and admit that they're very surface, but my need for control in something in my life, because I had lost it completely when I graduated and wasn't a soccer player anymore, that overpowered anything. It overpowered everything. I needed one thing, at least just one thing in my life that I had pure control over. I still honestly feel that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have to kind of reel myself back in and be like, it's okay to have a bad day. Yeah. It's okay to feel like everything's out of control. It's okay for those feelings to come in waves. That's normal. That's natural. But that wasn't normal for me back then. Well, and I think too, the mention of control is so important because I think that's one of the biggest issues when people are dealing with food because there were a lot of things that I couldn't control in my life, like my parents' divorce and certain traumas that had happened. And so I would turn to food to try to control that. And then I would feel out of control with food. So it was this constant struggle. And I think that those are both things that people feel, you know, this, I can control what I'm eating because I can't control these other things in my life. I can control my workouts because I feel so out of control with my identity safe. Yeah. And isn't that so ironic that your need for control ends up being you losing control? Yeah. I just, I sit here and laugh at that now. But that's truly what it was. Mm -hmm. I had such a need for control that I overdid it and I pushed myself to the point of I completely lost control. Mm -hmm. I was just doing these crazy things. Like I would literally right after dinner go upstairs and lock myself in the room because I knew that I couldn't go back downstairs for that night Mm -hmm. because the kitchen was down there. Yeah. And I didn't want to be tempted. I was like a very cold turkey, cut it all out, miss out on a million opportunities with friends, family, restaurants, holidays. I didn't care. I didn't care. And that's like, that's really sad to me because if you know me, I love people and I love being around people and I love making memories. And at that time, that overtook 
any of that. And there were so many times I was like, no, I my stomach hurts or I have a headache or no, I just, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I was lying. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I was lying. Because I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to be around it. I was selfish. I was selfish and I had the most negative attitude towards food. Yeah. I would have rather lived off rice cakes and a teaspoon of peanut butter than going out with my friends and making memories or going out with my family and trying a new restaurant. That's so sad. That's so sad because I feel like I look back on it and I'm like, you don't even know what you miss. Yeah, you miss some things. Yeah. I know I miss things. Yeah. I know I did. I didn't care. That's the scariest part about it is that you lose it. But you lose it in a way where you don't even know how to get back to it. Mm-hmm. You can have all these people telling you what you should be doing to get control back, but you don't get it. It's not going to work because my mind is so warped. Yeah. It's so fucked up up there that I don't care what you're telling me. And it's just, it's scary. It's scary. And I would brush my teeth with, I use um, Arm & Hammer toothpaste, which it's the best, but a lot of people don't like it because <laughs> it's baking soda and it leaves kind of a weird taste in your mouth. Yeah. I would brush my teeth after every single time I ate because that to me signaled my brain that we were done eating. Even if I was still hungry, oh, no, I would right. literally tell myself, I need to go upstairs and brush my teeth. Yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have. A lot of people with eating disorders or disordered eating, there's so many tricks that you can use that it just, it's wild. Uh, my nighttime process uh, between, sometimes I'd brush my teeth twice if I needed to and I was like, I've already floss brushed and rinsed with my mouthwash. I'm done. And so now I think I know I'm making progress and I know I've made progress because I'll brush my teeth because I know and I'm ready for bed, whatever. And if I stay up for a little bit longer and I get hungry again, I'm going to fucking go downstairs yeah. and I'm going to eat something else and then I'll brush my teeth again Yeah. after it. That to me makes me feel really good because I you couldn't have paid me to do that. And back when I was really restricting and really over-exercising and just using that as my fuel of my self-worth, it got to a point where I lost my period altogether and I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. I didn't really care. That I lost it, which sounds, it's dumb. Don't ever think like that because your menstrual cycle is a vital function of a woman's body. You need it. But I didn't really care because as any female out there knows, the period's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, like whatever. I don't have it. My period was irregular anyways. It's fine. And then like three months passed, four months passed, five months passed. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. Something is weird now. I came across hypothalamic amenorrhea. And I was like, oh shit, that's me. All of those things, the constant stress on your body, the constant under-eating, under-fueling, overworking out, overexertion, just stressing your body out so much to a point that it signals your brain to be like, I don't have enough energy to keep everything going. Mm-hmm. The first thing that's going, because it's not completely vital to me right now, is your menstrual cycle. Reproductive system. I'm shutting her off. Is that what that is? Yes. Okay. Hypothalamic amenorrhea is caused by overexertion in any form. Someone can be overexerting themselves mentally mm-hmm. and stressing their body out mentally and they'll lose it. It's very extreme. Like you have to push yourself to an extreme point of stress. But yeah, it signals the hypothalamus to essentially shut off all functions of your reproductive system, mm. of your menstrual cycle, because you're not giving your body enough energy to keep everything going. You need fat for your vital organs and the vital functions yeah. of your body. And I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I did, but I didn't want to realize that. And so that was when she kind of 
kind of told me, you know, you're on a pathway to maybe never getting your period again. And if that happens, you may never have kids. Quick edit note, when I say she, I'm referring to my gynecologist. That kind of, it struck a chord with me, but I still didn't really change what I was doing. I just have like, because I remember this so vividly in my head. I went back and we did lab work and your estradiol, your estrogen, is kind of what fluctuates through your ovulation cycle. It's mm-hmm. kind of what kickstarts your period and all those, all these good things. You should really, if you're struggling with this, I highly suggest you do research on it because it's very important to a woman's body. And if you want to have kids one day, this is extremely important for you to know. But basically, your estradiol is supposed to be anywhere from 30 to 400. And it'll fluctuate based on your ovulation cycle. Mine was 12. Oh. Yeah, 12. And she was like, um, you barely have any estrogen in you. Oh, would that be the reason why I have no libido? I'm always tired. I'm always cold. My bones hurt. Like, my knees physically hurt hurt because I was having an increased risk of osteopenia, Mm -hmm. decrease in bone density. I didn't have enough body fat on me to regulate my internal temperature. So I was freezing all the time. And she was like, yeah, this is why. Because you're depriving yourself so much that your estrogen is through the shitter. We've got to do something about this. And that's when I was like, oh, this is this is serious. This is like a real thing. And so I went on birth control, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I hate birth control. <laughs> well, I hated the one I was on. It did give me my period back, but it made me a raging bitch because... Yeah, as birth control will do. Yeah. Well, it was just so much... Birth, birth control is synthetic estradiol and progesterone. And it was so much. It pumped my system so much from when I went from... 12 and I shot all the way up that my body didn't know how to handle it and I was just a raging little demon all the time (laughs) like a freaking psycho twister I don't know because my parents were like you've got to calm down over there I don't even want to come near you you might bite our hand off after that after the birth control trial I got my period back I went back to my gynecologist because I had done so much research Mm -hmm. about hypothalamic amenorrhea it's a freaking mouthful (laughs) I had done so much research and there is ways that you can get it back naturally. And I was like, look, I, I want to do this. I want to get it back naturally. Like, I need you to just give me some time and I want to try. And she literally told me, she goes, okay, you're going to have to eat. She's like, you're going to have to stop working out so hard. You're going to have to do these things. If you want to get it back on your own, that's fine. I'm all for it. You're going to have to put on some weight. I was like, oh, just kidding. I don't want it back. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> I know. But she was right. And we'll most likely go into a whole separate episode about birth control and your period and your menstrual cycle. Yeah, I have a lot of different things to say about that. Yeah, and how important women's health is because, to be honest, this personal struggle of mine that I have gone through has made me so interested in women's health. So then how did you get on the path to getting your period on your own? I knew I was going to have to eat more. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. But in my head, because I do have very addictive tendencies in my head if I had to eat more okay that's fine if this is what we want to do we'll eat more but we're gonna only eat healthy foods Mm. and I started kind of falling again (laughs) I went from one kind of disordered eating pattern to another Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing great I thought I was really progressing but looking back at it I really fell into an orthorexic standpoint and orthorexia for those who don't know is when you obsess over healthy foods no processed foods Everything comes from whole plant-based whatever. Nothing processed. I'm not 
completely sure if orthorexia has been approved to fall under the category of eating disorders, but it has very disordered eating mm -hmm. tendencies, and I fell into that trap a little bit. So we went from just one to the next, mm -hmm. and I fell into that for probably a good year or so too. I was thought I was eating more, I was trying to lay off a little bit more in the gym, but hello, ding, 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 you still weren't getting your period back. Yeah. So something is still off, and I know that I knew it was going to take a while, and I'm still on the journey. Yeah. I just got my period for two consecutive months. I'm Yay. really proud. <laughs> I just want to take a moment before you continue to celebrate what you just said Aww. because that is a true testament to if you treat your body and fuel it how it wants to be, then your body will do what your body is supposed to do. And I'm just so proud of you. And like this is, it really is just a very exciting thing. Oh. And like, if you are someone who's struggling with this and that's in something that you personally deal with, she's living proof that you can get there. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I appreciate you. And it does take a while. And someone who's super impatient like myself, I just wanted a quick fix, which is why I was okay with the birth control first. But yeah. looking back at it, that's just a band-aid. Yeah. It's just a band-aid for the real problem. I wanted to know the root cause. But I then got into an orthorexic standpoint. I was eating these big portion sizes, but 90% of the meal was lettuce or spinach. Yeah. And so I was thinking in my brain, I'm eating more because this portion is huge. Are you kidding me? It's bigger than the size of my head. There's no freaking calories in it, dude. Yeah. There's nothing in it. And then I got, you know, really into the whole tracking my macros mm. and pretty much every restrictive or negative tendency towards food I was going through. Yeah. Still staying skinny, but get my period back, but still not lose any muscle, but still be gaining muscle. It's like, yeah. you can't have them all. Fighting a losing battle. Yes, I was. But I was telling myself, this is what I was controlling and this is what I was going to be good at, mm -hmm. almost in a way. Which is weird, because like, how can you be good at having a body? Like, you know what I'm saying though? Yeah. But it's true. That was what I was after. So, but you've moved past that into a completely different, you've fallen under a lot of different. Yeah, you know, I'm just like really multifaceted or whatever. <laughs> just kidding. I won't say I was completely in an orthorexic standpoint. I just was very, you know, non-processed. I had to like make sure I could read all the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that's great, but it's not the end all be all. Yeah, so that was still in a restrictive way and I got to a point so I was probably two and a half years deep at this point of just it eating enough calories to feed a toddler basically and I started having these late night binging episodes mm -hmm. and I didn't understand at first because uh, if you I hope you never experienced this but if you don't experience it you don't understand what it feels like like I didn't want to eat mm -hmm. but I had to I just had to literally this is the point where I was like, how ironic is it that I was after control this entire time and now I have literally no control. Yeah. Because I would wait till like 1am because I didn't want anyone to see because mm -hmm. like I didn't want to be seen as a failure or a fraud and I would go downstairs and I would just go to freaking town. Like I would feel disgustingly ill, so sick to the point where I was like, I may just make myself throw up because I cannot physically put in any more food. Yeah. I am all the way full, and yet I still can't stop. I was eating foods I didn't even like yeah, because I just needed it. Like, I just had to have it all. I just had a, such an end-all, be-all, all-or-nothing mindset with it. And I was like, okay, 
from this time point, from 1 a.m. till 2 a.m., whatever, free pass. Because tomorrow, we're on the grind again. We're not going to eat until 4 p.m. Ugh. It's, dude, it's so toxic. You probably couldn't eat until 4 p.m. the next well, day. That's, that's the thing, too. I was like, well, maybe if I fill myself up so much, I'll be so full where I don't even need to eat tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was psychotic. How did you get yourself out of that? Um, slowly. And I would be straight up lying because I like to eat later at night. Yeah. I'm not really a super early morning eating kind of person. I get hungrier as the day goes on. And I do think that's actually from binging. Like, mm. I think those are from, that's from those binging episodes. But, I mean, I'd be straight up lying if I said I don't still have, like, some of those tendencies. Where I'll just, like, stand at the pantry and just, like, eat random things. It's not nearly to the extent and it's not as frequent as all as it was either. But yeah, I mean, I still I still will be laying in bed and be like, I should just really go downstairs for a second, just to see, you know, just to see what's down there. <laughs> Knowing damn well I'm gonna eat the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, she'll even say sometimes like we were at Trader Joe's and they had these like purple sweet potato chips. Oh my god, yeah, they're so good though. They're delicious. But she was like, I almost don't... Is it okay if I tell this yeah, story? Yeah, it's okay. She was like, I almost don't even want to buy these because I'm afraid I'm going to eat the whole bag in one sitting because I'm such an all-or-nothing person. Yeah. And then, like, she opened the bag whenever we got home. And then, like, a couple days later, she was like, look, I haven't eaten them all. I was so happy. Yeah, that was like a little... <laughs> I was like, ooh, can I have some now, too? <laughs> yeah, no, but that's... But, that's kind of how my brain has to work now. Like, it's yeah. a conscious thing. I have to be, like, portion it out. But it's not, and I think that this is really important to say, it's not a punishment yeah. by not eating it all in one sitting. Agreed. Yes. It doesn't make you feel good to eat a whole freaking bag of chips in one sitting. No. <laughs> like, you feel not great. You feel ill. It's just, like, the loss of control when you deal with something like binging. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, it got to the point where I would use every excuse in the book to justify why I was feeling this need Mm -hmm. to just gorge on everything at night. I'd be like, oh, well, it's because it's the weekend. Or if I was at my parents' house, I'd be like, oh, I'm just visiting my parents' house, so they have the good food. Like, I have to do it this weekend. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is happening every weekend. Yeah. Every, Every weekend. I never was doing it on the weekdays because I was like, this is a working day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to stay on the grind. But my weekends were set aside for having binging episodes. And it's it's weird to like think about. Well, and I feel like you and I had two different, very different wake-up calls because, and I think I've mentioned this before as well, I was kind of in a point in high school with my restrictive eating and then like my binging. And I was like, maybe I should start throwing up. And then I watched the documentary Finn. Oh, yeah, I do remember you talking about this. And I think it's like five or six women that they follow in an eating disorder facility. And I think all but one passes at that by the end of the movie. And that changed my perspective. And I thought, this blows my mind. Okay, so I won't have a full-on eating disorder. Like, I won't let that happen. No, I get what you're saying because I thought the same way. Because I was like, man, I do not have a good relationship with food. But I'm not. I don't have an eating disorder. Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not at that point. I was like, I won't, I won't I won't. let that happen Yeah, I won't myself. push it to the brink of that. Yeah, I'll get control 
before then, or I'll just continue doing what I'm doing, eating half my dinner and flushing the rest of it down the toilet, which, you know, my dad, I enjoy his food. Like I actually feel really bad about that now. And I felt bad about it then too, but it just was like, so I was so out of control with it. Whereas your wake up call was a, Hey, these are the things you're never going to have in your life. If you do not change the way that you're living. And mine was, I'm a very like visual person. So I was like, Oh my goodness. I just can't allow myself to get to that point. It's really important to note as well that there are different motivations Mm -hmm. for disordered eating or eating disorders for everyone. Mm -hmm. So for you, it was looking a certain way because you wanted your family's approval. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a control thing. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I needed that control. I was chasing after it. And I think it's going to look different for everyone. And your type of disordered eating will look different than my type of disordered eating. But the negative cyclical pattern is concrete. Well, and I think that the common factor too is because even though like you internally were trying to take so much control, it all started because you were comparing yourself to someone else's BMI because you had this idea that of what an athlete was supposed to look like. There are these external forces And I do feel like I should say I've had conversations with my family. There has been a lot of healing and all is well. My family is loving and supportive. You know, that's not an issue anymore. We both experience these outside factors of these pressures that for one reason or another, we both felt and led us to have these behaviors. And I think that that's one of the things that still exists today. And I feel like I I at least try to fill my feed with people who are trying to normalize normal bodies and, you know, loving themselves and, you know, appreciating what their body is capable of instead of using food as a form of punishment for how they think that they should look or who they should be. Yeah, I think it's hard because, you know, there's so many fitness influencers out there and all these fitspos and Mm -hmm. people use that a lot of the times for motivation to work Mm -hmm. out, but it can get very toxic very quick because you comparing yourself to someone who has a shredded physique because that's their job and that's all they do all day, day in and day out. But you're over here working 40 plus hours a week. That's not, you cannot compare the two. Right. You're in a very different place in your life. And I didn't realize that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that too. You just want to look like how they look. Yeah. Because they're crushing it. And they have great bodies. And they're getting so many compliments. So many compliments. And they don't, they're shredding and bulking and cutting. And what the fuck is bulking? What the fuck is cutting? Like, it's eating. And something else that you have said in the past, I know you enjoy watching what I eat in a day videos. And, you know, I'm always interested too to see what people eat, but not to use that as a guide for what you yourself should be eating. Yes. And that's funny you bring that up. I kind of forgot about that. But I honestly started realizing that there was really something wrong with the way I looked at food. Because this is kind of embarrassing. But all I would ever watch is cheat day videos and 10,000 calorie challenges. Oh, you mentioned that the other day. Yeah, and 20,000 calories and 15,000 calories. Because I wanted to be able to do that so bad that I became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with the idea that these people can eat all these crazy calories and donuts and cookies and cake and oh my god, they still have a shredded physique. Like, 
I was never going to do that because I would never, God forbid, would never do that because I wanted to stay skinny. But I was so obsessed with the idea of eating that donut and eating that cake and eating that cookie that and, all but, I wanted to watch But was not just a donut. You're talking, 12. yeah. I want a dozen, damn it. <laughs> I want them all. The like 20 pound burger. <laughs> yes, because that's my very all or nothing mindset. And yeah. I, I didn't realize that I don't think when I was younger, but the older I'm getting... I'm realizing that. So there are things that trigger me or maybe I can't put myself in positions of that because I know I have very a very all-or-nothing mindset. Yeah. I, and that can honestly sometimes breed some addictive tendencies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got, ooh, I got obsessive with watching what people eat. And like, ew, that's kind of weird. But I was so obsessed with it because I would never allow myself to do it. So I needed to see someone else do it. Yeah. It's very twisted. I don't think that it's twisted. I just think that it's complicated. Which, like, why is eating complicated? It shouldn't be. No. It should be simple. Alright, guys. So, with that being said, we've reached the end of the episode. And you know what that obviously means. It's time for... The Huddle Up. Alright, so our number one takeaway for you today is eat for the energy. You guys... We cannot stress this enough. The food that you put into your body is your energy. It's your fuel. If you're constantly eating like crap, then you're going to constantly feel like crap. And honestly, like even if you are a healthy eater all of the time, sometimes your body does want those sugars and some of those other things, and it's okay to do that. But remember the majority of the time that what you use for your food is your fuel source. Yes. And also just like eating the crap is going to make you feel like crap. Not eating at all is also going to make you feel like crap. You need to fuel your body and you need to properly fuel it for performance, for any type of activity, whatever, just daily life. You need food. Like, why are we restricting ourselves? So number two, our number two takeaway is you have to trial and error. I think this is a huge, huge one because a lot of people, there's a lot of fad diets out there. There's a lot of eat this, don't eat this, don't eat carbs, eat a higher fat. It's like overload. Mm -hmm. What do I need? What is actually going to be beneficial to me? You're not going to know because the person next to you is not going to be the same as you yourself. You have to trial and error it. If that means you want to trial the fad diet because you want to see what the hype's about, okay, fine. Have at it. If it's not working though, you better stop and reevaluate and see if that's actually what your body is needing at the moment and how your body is being fueled properly. Because if it's not, then change it. It's okay. Also, and I think Peyton kind of already touched on this, but like we are all different. So just because something doesn't work for her doesn't mean it won't work for me. Or just because she might need higher fats, I can tolerate higher carbs. That's just an example, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. If you go to brunch and your plate is full of hash browns and the person next to you decided on avocado, that's fine. Yes. Number three, don't think of it as good versus bad food. Oh, I am Preach. so guilty of this. And, you know, it's it's not about good versus bad. It is about energy and how you're fueling yourself. I personally just used to really struggle with the guilt of eating what was deemed as bad food or eating it too frequently. And then I felt like I had to punish myself or then I had to restrict or then I had to just get very strict on the good things. Get rid of the words good and bad. 
Listen to your body. It's going to tell you what it wants. Just because you want a donut, eat the damn donut, fulfill that craving, and then move on. Then if you want a salad for lunch, guess what? That's fine. A balance is honestly, that's what that is. It's a balance and you need that because that is sustainable. And unfortunately, society has a lot to do with the way we look at food Mm -hmm. and the boxes we put that food in. Is it good or is it bad? And the societal pressures you feel from eating the donut, Mm -hmm. like they can completely change your mindset to where I'm never even going to look at a donut again. And I definitely fell into that trap of, good versus bad, I think that has some orthorexic tendencies because you only focus on the good food and never allow yourself the bad food. But it's like, sometimes I just fucking need it. Well, and also, like you said earlier, there is such a thing as too much of those good foods because a lot of times they are lower in calories and your body does need more calories to survive. Your body does need those things to survive. So it's not about good versus bad. It's about what you want in that moment, what you're being intentional with what you're putting into your body, what it's telling you that it wants. I'm sorry, but I believe in getting rid of the language of I earned this or I deserve this. No, you fucking want it, so you're going to fucking eat it. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Yeah. You're alive and breathing. I think you've earned it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> done and dusted. That's all we have to say about that. Number four is one that is a huge mantra in my life, and I think it should be in everyone else's is your looks are the least interesting thing about you. Yes. If you have a body and you have a bikini, you have a bikini body. Exactly. Okay, that's the T. (laughs) But for real, like, I don't ever meet someone and I'm like, damn, their looks, I just need to be friends with them. And what if they have a shit personality? Yeah. What if they're not funny? Oh my God, what if they're not funny? (laughs) I would cry. That is such a surface level thing. Like, what is the deep stuff? That's when you're going to actually make the connections. And that's when you're going to actually have your friends and find your friendships and relationships and make those deep human connections and interactions. Well, and looks are so subjective. So materialistic. All right. And number five, I really love this one. I feel this one a lot right now. Embrace the changes. You guys, guess what? As you get older... Your life changes, your hormones change, your body changes. Don't punish your body for those changes. Embrace it. Love it. I'm not saying if you're somebody who's like, ooh, I want a little Botox or a little filler, like, you do you, honey. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. But if you have a little bit of cellulite, accept that that happens. Sometimes you do have to change your eating a little bit or your workout regimen because maybe you are putting on a little bit more weight or you're retaining water more easily and you still like want to try to maintain, then still just like love your body through the process. And that's something that I've struggled with because I have felt like, why are you failing me? Or why can't you look like you did eight years ago when you were 20, 21? And it was just so easy to maintain like this little tiny figure and this six pack and it felt like it was barely any effort. Well, I'm getting older. I'm getting closer to 30. My hormones are changing and they always say when a woman hits 30, her body really changes. And guess what? I have decided that I'm going to work my ass off to accept that and love my body because I'm just so thankful for what it does for me on a daily basis. Yeah, it sucks because I think that as a society, it's so much easier to hate your body than it is to love your body nowadays. 
I mean, me and Rachel were just talking about this earlier, but if you took a room full of people and surveyed them and asked if they had body dysmorphia, I guarantee the majority of that room would say yes. For sure. And that's terrifying because I don't want that to be how everyone views their body, how everyone views themselves. Like your self-reflection should be the best reflection. You should love yourself through everything, through the ups and through the downs, especially through the downs. Yeah. And it's hard to do. I get it. Trust me, we both get it. We're struggling with it every single day, but it's a conscious effort. And you know what? I've found so much more freedom mentally when I love myself through things, when I love my body through these things, than when I'm being so negative and so hard on myself. And if somebody is saying something negative to you, they're probably also really struggling with these things. Uh, They could be insecure about it. That's not a reflection of you. Look, if someone tells you, oh, you've changed, you need to say, thank you. That's what we're supposed to do. If you or someone you know and love is struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder, we strongly encourage you to call the National Eating Disorders Association helpline at 1-800-931-2237. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what we had to say and want to hear more from us, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe so we can help reach more people and offer some advice to those who may need it. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Actually, technically it is, right? Because grains. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't think the food group is called bread, but... Well, we're going to rearrange that. (laughs) You always hear that saying, okay. (laughs) So, let's... And you know what that means. (laughs) Shout out to two of our personal favorite inspirations, Mick Saison and Natasha Ocean. Go check them out as well.